Well, we want to welcome you today to the Awakening Moments podcast. I'm here with Rhonda and we are excited to have another conversation today. And honestly, as we lean into this conversation today, we are praying for an awakening moment, both for us as we have it, but also for you, that God would show you something, that he would reveal something to you, that he would open your eyes to see something maybe you didn't see before. And, you know, we we want to talk a little bit about some of the themes that we see throughout scripture. We're reading right now through the book of Genesis. And so, you know, there's just a lot of stories and a lot of themes that are coming to the forefront. And it is it's quite powerful, but there is a lot actually that we can apply personally to our lives. And there's this there's this one sort of repeated theme that we are seeing playing out and it's going to continue to play out in the characters that God uses as part of his story. And that is this, that sin that we commit seems to have a repeated pattern, whether it be in families or whether it be in the individuals that are committing those sins. They repeat those same sins and the consequences and the hurt and the pain of those sins seems to be repeated. So either the same thing they did to someone else, seem they find themselves in a similar situation where someone is doing that same thing to them. And so the grief and the pain and the brokenness that sin causes the sin that a person commits causes seems to be repeated and then seems to come back on them in the story. But there's this other theme that seems to play out as well, because every single character that obviously has sinned is sinning against someone. So we see these other characters in the story that are having horrible things done to them. They're being deceived. They're being betrayed. They're being, you know, sold into slavery. I mean, major brokenness and hurt. And the people that sin is happening against, there seems to be this redemption that happens that God takes what was meant for evil and turns it around for good. Now, again, I can't say that a hundred percent of the time and in every story, but you're starting to see these themes unfold that where sin has happened against someone, God seems to redeem that. But where someone has actually been the one to commit the sin, there seems to be a consequence that plays out in their life and in their story. And so we just want to sort of unpack that through some of the stories that we've read, but also what does that look like in our own lives? How does that sort of play out in our own lives? Now, I do want to start by kind of putting a bit of a warning as we lean into this conversation, because I think we can very quickly even as we talk about the consequences of our sin, we can sort of go into this, like this feeling or this sense of needing to earn our way back into right standing with God. Because the reality is, and this is in the New Testament, all have fallen short. The Roman says every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So that means that us next to God's holiness, 100% of the time falling short. <laughs> Never, ever, ever, ever going to measure up. And so we can kind of all be in the same space in that. And so it's only by the grace of Jesus. It's only by the shed blood of Jesus that we can have forgiveness of sin, that we can actually be established 
as holy, established as heirs of all that God promised to us and established and called righteous. God calls us the righteousness of Christ through what Christ has done. So I kind of want to establish that at the base because I think it's really easy for us to pull like what we do right and what we do wrong and think that that makes us more holy or less holy or we have to somehow earn our way back into right standing. No, we have to learn how to apply what Jesus has done to our lives and then walk that out with the help of the Holy Spirit. But again, we're going back into the Old Testament stories and just recognizing sort of some of these patterns of what we see in some of the characters. And I think this is, that's a wonderful warning. So I think we've talked about in the past, like the power of the spoken word, life and death. And you can actually see this boots on the ground played out in a practical way. Now we say it like the power of the spoken word, but the power of our actions, the power of our decisions, the intentionality of what we do, there's no neutral ground. We have this illusion that somehow things don't really, don't really matter. We can, we can qualify like what's really important what's not important what is a really bad decision what's not a bad decision but I think even as we've talked about in the past like the intentionality of our decisions it's not necessarily always the big tests when I say test I put that in quotation marks it's all the little choices and little tests during every day behind closed doors that set us up whether for divine moments or for divine times that we reroute ourselves like it's setting us up because it will come seasons will come whether it'll be a trial or there'll be a hardship or there'll be a really big decision that you may recognize or not even recognize at the time but you see that they're literally it pivoted or moved you down a different direction and it can be subtle sometimes too and so I think this is just that word again once again to say be we want to be intentional we want to be intentional with the choices we're making what we're saying what we're doing but also we want to really, we want to recognize that there's no neutrality here. Like you literally are making a decision in the way of the light of God or making the decision from the father of lies. And it's going to lead us into two different paths. Now, exactly. God reroutes, God redeems, God is sovereign over all, and God is constantly pursuing us. Even as we're running down the wrong path, the father is calling and pursuing us, always wooing us back. But we do have a choice in the matter. That is the one thing that we do have. And so I think that's kind of what we're leaning into is that heart space of the intentionality of the decisions we make. So, 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 so good. I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I think that as we lean into this conversation, like one of the questions we want you to be thinking about, we want you to be sort of processing in your own life are like, what are the repeated behavior patterns that you've kind of seen yourself follow like we we've all got them we've got these defaults that we sort of default to and we 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 don't even really have to overthink it we just do these things again and again and again or we find ourselves in these repeated patterns of behavior and so as we have this this conversation and pull a couple of bible characters out like we just want you to think about that and begin to reflect and maybe ask the holy spirit to help bring to light what are some of the behavior patterns or the repeated patterns that I've played out in my life that are actually hindering the fullness of God's purpose that he has for me because God has a purpose for you to walk out in your life Mm -hmm. and some of these sinful behavior patterns or even just repeated behavior patterns that have get have sometimes come on you from the history of your family, maybe learned from your, your, your family of origin, maybe repeated in your grandparents' generation. You don't, you don't know where it's come from, but you find yourself repeating these habits or repeating these patterns. And 
not quite realizing the full potential of what God has for you. So that's part of the motive of why we want to lean into this conversation to begin to recognize those things, to be able to repent for those things, and then to follow some of the patterns that we do see in the characters in the Bible of what did they do when they came to the realization that this wasn't God's best. So I'm going to pull from Jacob, the story of Jacob, um, a little bit of what we've been learning about his story. And, you know, Jacob was born and named the deceiver. Okay. He, he was born and he was grabbing the heel of his twin brother on the way out of the womb. And he was named deceiver, heel grabber, trickster. And so you see this repeating in his life. You see this trickery, this lying, and a lot of it kind of manifested whenever he was afraid. When he was afraid, he would lie and he would deceive and he would trick. And this is sort of a repeated pattern that you see playing out again and again and again. Now, Jacob is one of the patriarchs of the faith. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God has promised him through a covenant that has nothing to do with himself. Like this is God, all God, all God's character. It has nothing to do with what he does or doesn't do. God's promised to make him a mighty nation, to bless him abundantly. And so you would think that knowing this blessing and knowing this covenant, there'd be this like security and this trust in God. But it's so interesting because Jacob has to go on his own journey of discovering truly who God is for himself. And so we find Jacob going on this very long journey throughout his life that uh, where he constantly falls into the habitual practice of deceiving, of tricking, of using his own sinful means to get what he thinks he deserves. And so one of the biggest ones is when he tricks his father Isaac for his brother's birthright. And, um, you know, Esau was the oldest and Esau was supposed to receive the blessing. This was just the tradition of how it was supposed to play out. Now, God had already told his mother, Rachel, that the younger was going to receive the blessing. And so Rachel also used used manipulation and trickery to ensure that this was going to happen. Uh, Jacob goes to see his father, pretends to be Esau, tells his father, I am Esau, literally puts a cloak of goat skin on himself because his brother was a hairy man. I can't even imagine how hairy he must have been if he was as hairy as a goat. (laughs) Can you imagine what he must have looked like? (laughs) Even that, you're like, oh my goodness. That's, yeah. (laughs) Rhonda's gagging. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's so funny. Anyways, slays a goat, um, puts the the goat skin on, uh, cooks the goat, prepares this meal for his father and does this massive, massive deception. And, you know, the moment, even the way that the the Bible describes it, it almost says just as Jacob left the room in walks Esau just a very short time later and says, I'm here, father, for my blessing. And he says, what? What what do you you mean? I've already blessed you. He says, no, no, that wasn't me. And it says that Isaac wept bitterly. He was shaken violently. He was so, so devastated that this trickery had happened. Well, you know, Jacob goes on to move away and because his brother wants to kill him. I mean, this is, this is a lot of tension. There's a lot of pain that's happening. Again, fall, f- trickery continues in Jacob's life until he has 
a life transformative moment where he wrestles it out with God, where he literally calls God, he prays to God and a, a humility is coming. A repentance begins to come in his heart and a humility is coming and he, he prays to God because he fears actually years, many, 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 many years later that Esau is going to kill him. Esau's on his way. He's approaching with 400 men and he wants to, he's afraid that he's going to kill him. He reaches out to God and calls him Yahweh for the very first time. He, he, he calls him his own God, his own personal, intimate name for God. He, he's becoming his God. And then he wrestles with God. And he realizes that without God's blessing on his life, he cannot actually fulfill the fullness of what God has called him to. Even though the covenant is unconditional, he realizes, I cannot go unless you bless me. He wrestles this out. God literally puts out his hip and he walks with a limp for the rest of his days. This humility begins to take over his character. And so you see, like Jacob is the one who has sinned against many people, causes a lot of grief, a lot of pain. And until a great humility comes upon him, until he sort of recognizes his ways and recognizes this is not the way to get what it is that God has promised me and that repentance comes, he cannot truly walk in the fullness of what God has promised. And so literally in just, you know, a few more years fast forward and Jacob himself finds himself in the same situation again, where now his own sons have killed his favorite child, Joseph. And what do they do? They deceive their father again with a coat. They slay a goat with the skin like of an animal, the blood of an animal. And what does Jacob do? Weeps bitterly over this great loss. And so you see again, this repeated grief and brokenness that's following these sinful things. All the while, there's another story that's playing out that's coming against Joseph, right? Where his brothers are sinning against him. Now he's going to walk his own journey, but his journey is so different than the one of his father's. Although it's still over the course of many years and there are many trials. So on the outside looking in, you would not be able to tell that there's sort of a different journey playing out. But at the end of Joseph's life, he looks at his brothers with all that they have done to him. And he literally says to them, you didn't do this to me. God has allowed this. What, what, what the enemy has meant for evil, God has meant for good in my life. God has done this so that all that was meant to be fulfilled could be fulfilled in my life. And that is the ultimate of redemption. And so anyways, those are a couple of, you know, in, in, in my opening, just saying the two different ways that sort of sin plays out, sin that has happened against us, there seems to be this powerful and beautiful redemption as we walk out with God, the consequences of that pain, but God's glory remains in the midst of our, like, what does he say? He says, um, I will bring to completion this good work that I have started in you. And so we see that playing out, yet we see this repeated pattern of sin for those that have caused sin and hurt and pain for others. So it's just an interesting, interesting thing to play, to see and to play out in our own lives. Laura, I love how you brought that up, like even the generational part of it, because yes, we're focusing a bit today on taking things matters into your own hand, choosing ways that are not of the kingdom of God, like that will reap destruction and pain and hardship. Hardship and trials will come regardless, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you've 
chosen the right way. Sometimes, like Joseph, we see he will make amazing decisions and it still causes hardship. I mean, he doesn't sleep with Potiphar's wife and he goes to jail for it. I mean, sometimes it doesn't look fair on the outside. That's the truth. Sometimes we can make a decision that seems like, okay, I'm making a good decision. Oh, good is going to come from it. We don't always see that immediately. Will good come from it? Absolutely. But do we always see it right away? No, <laughs> we don't. And that could be really hard for us sometimes to reconcile too. Like, I but I chose this way and it seemed like then I lost my job or like this happened or this happened. You just can name when you've chosen a way of integrity or you've chosen to stand up for something that perhaps with it's been not the way it could have been easy to do. You've chosen the way that God's asked you to do in obedience. And so we're not saying that just because you make a, a decision that is correct, that immediately you're going to see the repercussions of that in good. Sometimes it's years down. And we see that in Joseph's life. He chose what was right, and it took years for that to be redeemed. But God redeemed it. Was there a cost that he had to pay? Yes, for doing what was right in his character. But did he reap a reward greater than he ever could have imagined? Absolutely, because that's the God we serve. God honored, God saw, God recorded, God was with Joseph in prison, in the pit, in prison, and in the palace. God was with him every step of the way. I also think it's really powerful as we were talking about the, gen- it's almost like the generational, I want to say curse that can come down where we can have habitual things that we just begin to do. Like you're saying about deception. We watched it through the Bible unfold, this deceiving that continue to happen and it comes back and we reap it. However, the opposite is true. You might be listening today and perhaps your family, you can see whether it's addictions, whether it's some type of dysfunction, you can see the thread through generations that has kind of followed down. You can make a new choice today. You could literally choose a new pathway for your family to recognize it, to confess it, to repent of it, to literally renounce it and say, I break that spirit. I break this way of of living and I am choosing a new way because decisions we make today affect the generations to come. It's not all about us. Just in the Bible, there's it was never just about Jacob. It was never just about I about Isaac, never just about Abraham. It was about Israel. It was about a bigger plan that God had that would then birth the Messiah. That would then birth what we are today as a church 2000 years after Jesus. Here we are because of one redemptive plan and pivot that God made all the way along. So I want to encourage you, each of you listening, we're talking a little bit more as well, like what we've just spoken about, the consequences of, you know, the things that can bring destruction. But there's also amazing repercussions and reward of choosing the way of God and his way for generations to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting. I just had this thought come to mind as you were sharing and yeah, it might be a bit of an awakening moment for me. Like I was just thinking about the life of Joseph and as you kind of like played out the story of his life. And, you know, often I think in the scriptures and the stories in the Bible, we do this again and again and again. We, we Because we can see the entire story. Like the Bible will show the struggle and then it'll show the redemptive moment. It'll show like the end of the story, like from the prison to the palace. And like this is like... This is the desire of all of our hearts. We want to go from, oh, I'm in such a prison right now. And I I see myself in the palace. You know what I mean? Like yes. we all want the, even the success journey, even like the worldly success journey of what success is in our circumstance. Oh, like once God starts blessing me, it's going to look like financial provision and I'm going to have the big house and I'm going to have the, and I just like, as you were talking, I was like thinking about the life of Jesus. 
I was thinking about the oh, life yeah. and the call and the purpose of Jesus. And there would have been nothing. I mean, like absolutely nothing in his story that anybody would have desired or aspired to live. In fact, if you even tell the story, it's, I know it's an epic story, but if you just look at it in the natural sense, I mean, he was born in a barn to a lowly family. Unwed mother. Like he was raised, you know, as a carpenter, <laughs> yeah. just in a, a quiet trade. Yeah. He had three years of ministry. And yes, I know he was filled with the spirit. He was God. I, listen, I'm not trying to diminish any of that. There was miracles and all that. He had no place to lay his head. He literally just traveled from town to town as a sort of a homeless vagabond. I mean, he just, there was nothing about the way he lived his life that anybody would look at and say, like, I desire to live my life for my life to look like that. I just want to travel from town to town, have no family, not be married, not like, and then like even the people of the time, as they began to maybe see him as a possible Messiah, they wanted him to overthrow the current, they wanted him to do it in a certain specific way. And the way he did it was to die. He laid his life down. And, and like, as we're having this, this conversation and this story, like the reality is that it is only through getting to know and understand the nature of who God is that we actually go from the prison to the palace. And it's it's a spiritual position, not a yes, natural, yes. earthly, circumstantial so position. Because I think sometimes even in the natural, we can be blessed with things, things that lead us away from God. That is not God. <laughs> Like God doesn't bless us with things that will lead us away from him. In fact, he removes removes anything that will lead us away from the true understanding of our spiritual inheritance and who we are. Like our palace is eternity, like our eventual. So what, but that's not to say that what happens on this earth that we can't be, I'm not, it's not about any of that, whether we are or whether we're not, that's not the measure. That's not the comparison. It's not like, well, if I have as much as, Pastor Rhonda, I'm blessed. Or if I have as much as, you know, so-and-so and who it's, it's not about any of those things. In fact, Jesus is our ultimate model. Now in the time that we're talking about, for whatever reason, God needed to establish this family because he was establishing, um, a nation. And so he needed to do that through wealth, through like leadership, through multiplication of, you know, family and all of that. He, it, and it's, protect. And it was protect ruthless them. wars because he was protecting. Right? The like yeah. all but. of that, all of that was part of God's purposeful plan, but not necessarily a, um, not necessarily a, uh, what do you call it? Like an equation for what blessing looks like specifically. Do you know what so I, do you good. know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, the even, kingdom is the upside down way. We've heard that said before. It's so true. Like the greatest in the kingdom is the least. Like the greatest is the greatest servant. Like the children. He said, forbid them not for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not. And we right? see this play out in Jacob's life specifically because right. it's only when he gets to the place where he comes and he bows before his brother. He bows before his older brother in this posture of a servant. He gives him an extravagant gift to try to make up for what he has stolen. Like he positions himself as a humble, humble servant, that's when his authority in the position that God has called him to is established. It has nothing to do with all the other things. Like that's the spiritual 
transformation that has happened. So I just, yeah, I think there's something really, really powerful in us realizing the depth of our spiritual inheritance and what God has given us through Christ in this journey from prison to palace. It's so true. You know, it just keeps, I know I've quoted the scripture so many times, but it brings me right back to Hebrews 12 because these are men of faith mentioned in Hebrews 12. But the second half of Hebrews 12 are those that were martyred. And there is no, like God's not saying these are greater because, and we see they're unfolding yes. full story, but God's saying the world was even worthy of the ones martyred. Well, that that's not what you would think. Exactly. The eternal blessing. That's not what any of us aspire to. No. That's not what we're no. thinking when we're in the midst of our no. struggle and our circumstance and, and we can't I, yeah. make ends meet. And we're like, why isn't God blessing us? Maybe he is. <laughs> That's exactly. Maybe there's a gift in yeah. the midst. And I think the gift is knowing who God is in the middle of that mm. circumstance. Like that's part of what God wants to reveal to us. That's the wrestle moment. Boy, this is like the awakening moments. Like we really do compare. We really try to bring on things that we can touch as like the blessing of God. Like you're talking about, like, I want to see it. I want it in my way. My t- Once again, it's about us. The way we see it, the way we want it, the way we feel blessing should be instead of complete surrender to the story of God working in and through our lives. And our journeys look so different. For some, it was martyrdom. Like, I don't think disciples, everyone's like, I want to be like Paul Well you if you read what he went through like the affliction on him but that was the journey that God chose and he birthed how many of the letters through pain suffering but in the midst of it the riches of the gospel came through Paul's letters and hands God entrusted to him thing a treasure beyond measure that we can even describe and Paul knew it and he knew it he wrote with that in mind yes he knew it holding this treasure so i think for us it really is saying okay god you've given me this life you know this is a little bit of a a pivot but the other day um i was going to sobeys and the lord just started to talk to me and just speak into my spirit and i'm bawling walking into sobeys and i'm thinking people are going to think something's happened to me (laughs) i actually considered putting a mask back on because i was like crying but i felt the lord was just speaking to my heart and this is what i'm talking a little bit about saying yes you know, oftentimes we can equate timing with God or age. I'll just go right into it. I just was, the Lord was just saying, you know, I want you to stop looking at your age and disqualifying plans and purposes. Like I want you to believe that every day is a gift from me and stewardship. It has nothing to do with age. I feel like someone on this podcast needs to hear this today, that there might be something in your heart or your dream or you feel like, wow, I've kind of reached maybe this area where now I'm I'm letting go or not sure what the future looks like or God, is this kind of it? Like, is this all? And I've, I feel like I want to be faithful, but is there any more? And I feel like the Lord say, I want you to know I'm doing a new thing. And age has nothing to do with what God's doing new because actually it's about stewardship of days because some are given, there's mysteries in the days we have. Some we read about in Hebrews had full lives. We read about the fullness. They reached a ripe old age. Some like, look at Stephen, the first martyr in the new Testament young. We have no idea the stewardship of our days, but God is speaking to us today to say, would you be willing to steward my plan in and through your days? Are you willing just to say yes? Are you willing just to say yes to what I've called you to do each day? 
Don't look at what you what the past has been. Don't disqualifying you from where you are in the future. Look at today. What is God asking us to do? And I think this is what it's really honing into is it's not about our plans, our purposes, our ways. It's about God. It's all, it starts with him and ends with him. And are we living surrendered? And it just was this moment walking into Sobeys where I felt like God was going to something a little bit deeper in my spirit that I've just been unpacking a little bit about, you know, you reach, you know, I'm coming into my, going into be in mid 50. When you think like I'm getting closer to 50 than I am 40. And you start thinking, okay, God, what does that look like? What is the future like? Like, what do you have? Is this a whole different season now? Is this a whole? And I felt the Lord say, stop. What do you have today? Like, I am doing something new now. You can't, you don't, you just have to steward what I'm giving you today. And so for those of you listening, you might be very discouraged on maybe how long something's taken. You know what? We may not see the the promise of that. But what is God giving you? There's a richness for you today. There's a promise for you to walk in for today. And I think like even your awakening moment, this has been the awakening moment in my life. Like I think we can look and anticipate what will be. Well, if only I get to this or what's the next season or, and I'm not saying God vision is very important. I'm not, I'm not even talking about that, but we can easily fixate on that versus God, you've given me today. May I maximize, I may not have 10 years, may I maximize today as a stewardship gift. So those of you listening, do not be disqualified by being too young. Do not be disqualified by being too old. Do not disqualify yourself from what your past has been, what you're feeling right now, or what your future may be. God is sovereign and he is doing something new. And that's why every single story touches our hearts because God shows us he does, he's the same God in every story. He's faithful, he's redemptive, but he also does things the opposite way. So are we willing to hold, like look at Sarah, she's 90 having a baby, Uh, that's not normal. But then Jesus comes through an unwed 14, 13, 14 year old Mary. Like God does the opposite way. So today, look for the opposite way. Move in the opposite spirit. Embrace the season you're at and embrace the stewardship of today. So I just feel like that. Just wanna give that little word today. Rhonda, that is so good. Honestly, that is yeah. so good. And that is a profound exhortation. I, th- I do think we all need to hear it and we need to be reminded of that repeatedly. I think you could never actually get tired of saying that message because I think that is honestly the number one thing the enemy does. He wants to disqualify and diminish. He disqualifies and diminish both our significance in what God has called us to build in, for his kingdom. Yeah. Like he makes us feel like what it is that we have to bring to the table is insignificant. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference. If I do it or if I don't, it makes no difference. And it's not true. It is a lie. And I love how you even brought up like our heavenly father, like our father who we've been adopted into the family of God, or he's the one that's speaking this over us. Or are we going to listen to the small F father of lies? Like he's the enemy's literally named the father of lies. So if diminishing and if disqualification are what's coming into your mind, you know, that is not coming from your heavenly father. And it is not about like, again, we're trying to get to the point of, it is not about like, okay, are you going to end up on a stage one day? Are you going to end up, you know, being rich? Are you going to end up having like no problems? No, but it is about a revelation of who God is for you right now, today in the present. And that God is with you, a revelation that he's with you. That was the revelation of Joseph. Like God is with me. And how many times does it say through Joseph's life and story, 
but God was with him. Yes. But God was with him. Yes. But God was with him. Yeah. Like this is what we need to grab hold of in the midst of whatever our circumstance is, whatever we're waiting for, whatever unanswered prayers we're walking out, whatever unanswered dreams we're living out. God is with us. It's such a profound revelation. There's one more little tangent that I think might be interesting to go on in the midst of this conversation. And it's around the what ifs, Mm. the what if questions in life. Like as we think back to like, I think about Joseph's or sorry, uh, Jacob's life that we're talking about the deceiver. And I wonder, like, did he ever go back, reflect back and be like, what if I never, like, what if I just wouldn't have stolen the birthright from my brother? What if, what if I just... And he just went through all of these deceptions, all of these ways that he just made things happen in his own way. And he literally lived his whole life in striving with people constantly, in strife, in fear of people. Like just his life would have been inside awful. Like just living this out. I mean, the wrestle between um, Leah and Rachel, like oh, all of just this constant so conflict it's everywhere. Father-in-law, you name Father-in-law, it. Yeah. exactly. Like it was rough, right? But I think sometimes like we... Again, and this goes back to the original question of like, what are some of those repeated behaviors, maybe things we just keep finding ourselves going around this mountain again and again and again? You know, do you ever find yourself asking the question, well, what if I just would have? What if I just would have? And I I would love to just talk about that because I think sometimes we get stuck Hmm. in the what ifs. And I think it actually is part of a deception of the enemy to hold us back, to tie us back to the past, to tie us back to an old man, to tie us back to a way that is not living in exactly what you just said, the present day of saying, God, what have you put into my hands to steward today? And how do I do this with all my might? And how do I do everything you've given me as unto you today? So I don't know. I don't know if that what if question, if you've ever asked that, have you ever reflected back in your life and story and been like, everyone has like, what if I just, what if I just would have like taken this step and, you know, done this 20 years ago? What if I would have, I've totally hook, line and sinker taken that bait, like totally been reeled in by the, and I still can sometimes in a conversation, I'll think, man, what if we would have done that? Or what if we would have done this different? Where would we be? Yes, Absolutely. But isn't it interesting? Like the what if I, what if I versus, okay, what if God, you can take that now? Like this is what we are at. It Really, you could go around that loop and you can't go back and change it, but you can just focus on that loop. But where do you go with it? But God, like we've read in Joseph and Jacob, I would say in all through scripture, we see what God can redo, like restore, renew, and redeem in all those situations. But yes, of course, but it's really about like, what if I, or what if they, versus what if God, you could take that? Because that's the only way to move forward. That loop is an infinity loop. You'll never get out of it. It literally, you can't get out of it unless you humble yourself, repent and say, God, what can you do with this? And how can I be a part of that redemption process? How? Show me. And he will. But you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, totally, totally. No, there are. There are definitely some spaces like I wonder, like, what if I just, like, what if I just wouldn't have been so afraid? What if I just wouldn't have been so insecure and I just would have stepped into this? What if I would have started earlier at practicing a gift, you know, a certain gift developing younger? What if I would have, you know, I don't know. Like, it's all all of those sort of, what if I would have had different education? What if I would have, you know, like all of these sort of, 
thoughts, questions, like things you would have done in your 20s, maybe differently, you know, that would have set your life up differently, you know, and then even into your 30s, steps you would have taken, right? Like, and, or what if I just wouldn't have been so busy? Maybe I could have, or what if I wouldn't have been so distracted by these things or what if, right? Yet as like, as I find myself wandering sometimes into, into those what ifs, I do wonder, I do wonder, and I do believe like in the sovereignty of God in the sense that not that like every decision that I've made has been the right one. I do think I have repeated cyclical, whether it's insecurities or fears or distractions or worries, I've repeated those and they probably have hindered some of the things I could have done. But I do believe because of Jesus and because I'm covered under the blood of Jesus, I do believe in spite of those things, God has used my life in ways that I don't like, I don't recognize or, or know or realize because of him, not because of me. Um, so again, it's not as much about what I did or didn't do. It's all about what he has already done and has chosen to do through me. But at the same time, I think that, you know, as I process all of those what ifs and as I process those, like, I love that spin that you just made. What if God, Mm. like, what if God today saves a soul? What if God today sets someone free? What if God today, like I love that little pivot on that way of thinking that is profound. And I think another awakening moment today to shift how the enemy wants to bring us back into the past and the things that we wish we would have done that actually we have absolutely no power over whatsoever. It's wasted energy. There's, there's absolutely no redemption that comes from living in what if in the past, mm. in a what if I moment. There's no redemption. We can't change that. All we have is today. And what if God redeems that relationship? What if God and whatever those things are, putting our energy and our focus on who God is, on what is possible with God, on prayer. I even love, you know, we're, you know, as Pastor Jason's unpacking this prayer series, you know, he, he literally just talked about you know, starting, what if you started your prayer with wow? And honestly, I know it was so simple and almost like came across like a joke. It hit me as so profound. What if you woke up every day and just said, wow, God, I have breath today. Wow. Like God, the world, look at, look at this world that you've created for me to live in and be in wow, God, I get to experience your presence today. You're with me today in everything. Wow. Like what an incredible posture to begin every single day. And so I just love a couple of those twists that you made on that. What if, but no, I, I think, I think all of us struggle with that. I think we got to lay that to rest. I don't think there's anything redemptive that comes out of living in a what if. Mm, That is so good. What a good conversation. So today as we're ending, we're saying, what if God, what if God wants to take all that you've experienced and all that you will, and he wants to turn it all for good. And what if God decides that it may not all you see on this side, it may be on the other side, but he's going to show you his riches and treasures that maybe you can't see tangibly, but it's all inside. It's things that you can't buy. You can't experience. Love, joy, peace. Yes. 
goodness, kindness, yes. gentleness, self-control, all the fruit exactly. of the spirit. Oh my goodness. Exactly. He has asked you to steward him, the presence with him today. You get today. So those of you listening, today's a new day. His mercies are new every day. Great is his faithfulness. And so come to the table, come to the father's table. He is waiting for you. He loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose and he has given you a life to live. And so fully embrace it and let the what if be, what if God, what if God can do the great in my life? So good. And honestly, if you've been wandering around this mountain again and again and again, whether it's of disqualification or diminishment or whether it's just living in the past of what ifs, of regrets, of feeling insignificant today, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes, turn north, fix your eyes on Jesus and let him take you in a new direction because today is a new day and today he is doing a new thing. Grab hold of it and see and experience all that he has for you. Have a great day.